Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. How, how does your faith kind of play into it or does it play into it? What can be done about it? When I say the church, I'm talking about uh, evangelical white Christians and the black folk who attend their churches. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you are either viewing this on YouTube or listening on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Prime. We always invite you to let us know how things are going, how we can better serve you. You can reach out to us by writing to Fred Jeff Smith at cox.net. Fred Jeff Smith at cox.net and let us know how we are doing. I'm very happy today to welcome as my guest, Mrs. Carolyn Coleman, uh, who is a Metro Council District 10 candidate in the runoff election. Mrs. Coleman, thank you for sharing with us in the Thrive Podcast today. And I say thank you for having me in the Thrive Podcast today. So tell me, we, we, we were talking before uh, we started recording just to get a little acquainted with one another. What's your background? How, how did you end up deciding to run for political office? What's, what, what's the Carolyn Coleman story? The Carolyn Coleman story. Well, I am a member of a, what do they call it, a, 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 a grown uh, person here of District 10. I attended Perkins Elementary. I attended McKinley Junior at that time, and then McKinley High School. Yes, ma'am. Um, Southern University, graduated from Southern University, and attended LSU. Yes, ma'am. I'm a mom of two sons, a grandmother of four, a great-grand of one. I've been in 10. I've been fed in 10. I've been bred in 10, and I'm still in 10. Currently in the Beauregard town, right there on the corner, right on the spot. And if you all know anything about that, that came from way back there. <laughs> and so I have been there for 23 years, yes, right ma'am. there on that in that particular area there. Before that, I uh, was brought up. I was I, I lived on Choctaw Drive, which is a part of ten, uh, three or four Choctaw Drive. My dad worked on uh, at Illinois. Central Railroad, and my mom was a homemaker, and so had one sister and six brothers, so it was eight of us, and cousins, and cousins, and cousins, so all of us (laughs) were right there together, and so here I am, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a servant to the bone, and I'm grateful to my dad for that, and my mom, and so one day sitting watching, uh, this on TV, he looked at me, and he said to me, and my dad, Curtis Robinson Sr., he said to me, He said, you can do that. And I looked at him, and I just, I was quiet. And before that meeting was over, he repeated himself. Mm -hmm. He said, you can do that. My dad was not an educated man, but was the most brilliant man that I know, that Mm -hmm. I know. We always said that mm -hmm, he could read, he could write. Those were my siblings, and we would always talk about that. But he was definitely a man before his time. And if he said something, I believed it. And he said to me, he said, you can do that because what's in you is what the people need. And so in 2004, I launched out into this particular arena in 10. And at that time, the encumbered then was uh, Lori Burgess. Mm -hmm. And so she went back into office. That didn't stop my serving. That didn't stop my doing. That did not stop that which I knew needed to have been done. Mm -hmm. I operated a program, the Education for Homeless Children and Youth, served, served, served. Also was in several of the schools. As a matter of fact, I retired from EBR school system with right at 40 years. With that being done, um, my last school was the Bel Air High School. There, there were several children that were toiling with 
graduation. And I said to them, you've made it thus far, you're getting out of here. And I sit here to say to you, all 72 of them got out of school. Yes, ma'am. With that being said, you must, we, we had wraparound services for people. We didn't, I, I involved those two sons of mine. I involved my family. I involved everybody. My first name really could be collaborator because <laughs> that is so important when you are looking to serve. And so 2004, and here I am in 2020, yes, 2020, the year that so much has, has, has gone on, so much have gone on, but it's been pretty good. It's been a pretty good year, and the opportunity here in Ten is just vast. The 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 struggles that exist within uh, local politics uh, right through here uh, are myriad. They're they're they're, they're numerous. Uh, there is a metro council that is poised to change. Uh, I, I believe that there are six seats. Uh, where people are term limit, were term limited, and so you're going to have very much a, a, a new Metro Council. Uh, but there still seems to be a lot of divisiveness that exists within local politics. Uh, I, I had the mayor here a couple of uh, weeks ago, and we talked about the tribalism that seems to exist within the Metro Council, my word, not her word. Yes. Uh, and I asked the question, and so I'll ask you because you're a candidate for Metro Council. Do you think that the tribalism is primarily philosophical, R Republican versus Democrat, because there are seven Republicans, five Democrats, or do you think that it is racial because there are seven whites, or there were seven whites and uh, five blacks? Do, what do you see as the root of the divisiveness that seems to exist within the Metro Council? I see all of the above. I see folk really don't know what this is really supposed to be about. They don't realize that this is not about the individual self. When you're out there campaigning, you're saying you're for the people. When you come and sit behind that Diaz or wherever you're sitting, then their, their message change. They don't understand that all people are really looking for the same thing in some instances, and then that's why it's important to know your district, to know what it is specific that you need to do. When you look at Republicans and Democrats, bottom line is COVID has been the equalizer. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Because you're talking about folk needing the same thing in the midst of all of this. Those that are on that council, you all better see that. The same thing with the black and the white. We all need to eat. We all need to work. We all need to have. We all need to mask up. We all need to reach out and serve. So I say it is all of the above. Mm -hmm. And until those folk, all of the folk, and I'm coming, I'm coming on that, on that uh, Metro Council, and until all of us mm -hmm. come to a point whereby we realize that this race that has been given is not going to be to the just the strong, but it's going to be to the ones that's going to finish, the ones that's going to listen to the people, that's going to bring home the bacon, that's going to really realize that this is not just about us. And see, when, when I was in school, it said that the more we get together, the happier we'll be because mm -hmm. your friends are my friends and my friends are your friends. Mm -hmm. Some of them may be too young, to know about that, but that's going to be part of my purpose, to let them know about that. It's yes. going to be very important that we cross those lines of diversity, that we cross those lines. Hey, this is what you need in your district. This is what I need in my district. Mm -hmm. But this is what Baton Rouge need. And until we get to that point, and we're going to get there, we're going to get there. Until we get to that point, we're spinning our wheels, but you all better spin and spin until January because you're going to be all spun out. <laughs> well, when you talk about uh, the, the diversity uh, that uh, is necessary in order to bring about the change, 
your district is perhaps one of the most diverse districts racially uh, and perhaps even economically uh, that exists within uh, East Baton Rouge Parish. You were telling me before we started that uh, the district is 60% African-American, but that means that there's a 40% uh, Caucasian contingent. So you, you are serving as someone uh, who has to be able to communicate with all sides in order to be effective and in order to be successful. Tell me how you manage that. Well, one way is that, you see, I've walked this district. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I'm on my second walk. And I was always taught you had two ears and one mouth. So you listen more, truly listen to what the people are saying. Mm -hmm. I can't do this by myself. I tell them I need them. So I have to listen to what it is that truly concern them. I have approximately 23 precincts in District 10. And I tell you, there are some commonality, mm -hmm. but there are some specific differences there. And then when they realize, and I truly believe that as I have met white and black, mm -hmm. black and white, that they realize that I can be that voice for them. Not leaning to the left, not leaning to the right, but straight up with what it is that their particular area need. Mm -hmm. I know that I can. See, when, when you are, I've, this is not my first rodeo with dealing with diversity. Mm -hmm. And so when you've gone as long as I've gone, some of my best friends have been it all. And even that Hispanic population there, mm -hmm. all, everybody, some of the, and so it is very important for me to make sure that, see, I know what the concerns are over there in Spanish Town. Why? Because I've spoken with that population of people. I know what the concerns are up there in Dixie, and yes, they are different, but yet mm -hmm. one common goal, safety. Mm -hmm. I've spoken with the people in South Baton Rouge and across the track. There's a difference, you all, in, the, in South Baton Rouge, but across the track, South Baton Rouge. Yes. And I have spoken with them. I've listened to them. I know what their concerns are. And so when I can have ongoing conversations and see, I got to be in a posture whereby I allow them to check me. Hey, how am I doing mm -hmm. in doing that which we said we were going to do? Mm -hmm. How are we doing in working and talking and seeing? And then it's going to be important that the that the pastors pastor in this district uh, come together and help me with walking this thing out. And I'm not talking about just the pastors in South Baton Rouge. See, the other piece of all of this is that in ten, the folk on the northern part of my district is saying that. But we've been left out. Mm -hmm. We've not been counted. Mm -hmm. We've not been included. So inclusion is going to be very much important. Mm -hmm. Then the other piece that I think is going to be a springboard to help this racial whatever. And see, that's the good thing about these young people. These young people are really seeing beyond some of this racial color stuff. Mm -hmm. And so in this district, I have Southern University and I have LSU. Yes. And so the bringing together and I have the community college, I can't leave them out. And so in bringing these people together, and especially those young people, they're going to help me. Mm -hmm. We're going to show these other districts what the epitome of a district ought to look like. They're going to come to us and ask, how must we, how must we be a 10 like this 10? Yes, and we're going to be able to share with them. Recently, uh, Councilwoman Donna Collins-Lewis, who is uh, term limited and is leaving the council in January, uh, brought to the table, brought to the council uh, proposals for a change in the Metro Council uh, government. 
uh, well, East Baton Rouge Parish government and, and the change in the makeup and the composition of the Metro Council. Uh, the proposals called for two at-large districts, one chosen from within uh, the incorporated portion of the parish and one chosen specifically from without the uh, incorporated parish and that one of those two individuals would serve as uh, mayor pro tem of the council. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I, I said it to the mayor when she was here, I, I don't mind saying it to you, I think it's a terrible idea. I think the idea of, uh, of, of at-large council uh, persons means that you're in effect electing three mayors. And I don't see how that is beneficial to the parish, and I certainly don't see how that is beneficial to the mayor president who has to contend uh, with two other council people who were elected by the parish just as the mayor is elected by the parish. I, I don't care who the mayor president is. I don't care whether it's uh, Mayor Broom, whether it's uh, Steve Carter, whoever it is, their effectiveness is going to be limited should this plan of government succeed. So that's my opinion about this this shift. What is your opinion as, as someone who is vying to become a part of the Metro Council? What are your feelings about this change? I concur with you. If the mayor is going to be the mayor, the mayor is going to be the mayor. And our job is to support and represent our district. It, it is ludicrous for the mayor's hands to be tied to have to answer to so many other folk, mm -hmm. then that means she's just a sitting duck or he's just a sitting duck mm -hmm. and not able to actually be able to f perform the duties. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we may bring stuff to the council, but I guess when we don't know anything to do. We don't know what to do. We do anything. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, I concur with you. No, we don't need no two more at large, whatever. Then the next thing is going to be moving that thing to another level of separating and cutting out parts of our districts. Yes. And that's not going to be good, and it's not something that I would embrace. So mm -hmm. I concur with you. Good. And I don't have to go any farther there with that. There you go. That, that's the we're, dead, we're, yeah. we're together on that. That's correct. Okay. Let's talk about St. George uh, for a second. Uh, the the uh, St. George movement uh, is being challenged within the court system by uh, several entities, including the current mayor, uh, Mayor President Broom, uh, and, and, and the challenge is based upon the, not, not that the people didn't win an election, they did win an election, but they have not provided adequate information on how uh, incorporation of St. George will affect uh, the management of East Baton Rouge Parish. Who's going to pay for what? And, and so one of the issues that you would have to deal with as a Metro Council person would be your position on St. George Incorporation. Do you have a position, and do you mind stating what that position is? Well, I will say this. If you want to be incorporated, if you, it takes money to do all of that, yeah. all of that. You got to pay to play. You can't be transparent with that which is asked of you. That's a concern. You want to pull away. You want to be, and, and, and the, the thing about all of this is there are several folk that I know in that area and they really, they're concerned about this pull away. There are teachers in that area. Sure. And they are very concerned about the pull away and what happens to their retirement. Yeah. So it's a lot that, and these people have given their all and almost at the end and some not quite at the end. So that's a concern there. And so I think that 
that has to be discussed a bit more. But as I stand right here, I just don't see that as being something that we as a Metro Council can totally put a stamp on. Yeah, well, let's remember, the, the whole idea behind St. George was to form an independent school district. This was not about a desire to be a city. This was about a desire uh, to appropriate schools from the East Baton Rouge Parish school system. They saw it happen in Central, uh, and they saw it happen in Zachary, and earlier than that, they even saw it happen in Baker. Baker, that's and right. And in each and every case, the parish lost because the parish was made responsible for picking up the legacy costs that should have gone to the independent school system. And I'm, I, for one, am glad that the mayor and others have stood up and said, not so fast. If you want to leave, fine. That, that's my opinion. If you want to go, go, but carry the costs. Carry with the you. cost and, of the and, buildings, and, and, of everything. And if you're with not you. willing to pay the cost, then you should not uh, be, be, be able to just pull away and leave those costs for someone else to bear. Uh, but, but I know that that's a, a bone of contention with a whole lot of people, and I know that it's an issue that the Metro Council is going to have to deal with. That along with others. But yes, sir, that, that, uh, that definitely will be something that, that one will have to deal with. And even when you look at some of those that have pulled away, I don't know if... I don't know if they're not wanting to, you know. Come back home? Come on home. Come on home. Do yeah. that prodigal son thing. Just come on home. That's all you got to do yeah. is just come on home. Yeah. And so we've got to be mindful of, of that. But I am willing and able to take a stand on after listening and hearing and all of that good stuff. And by the way, it's different in listening and hearing. Yeah. And so with that being said and then making a true decision with that because what I see as of now that is not something that I would embrace because you're talking about taking from the city and then the schools that they would have We've who's, paid, pay who's going to continue to pay for yes. them once we have already paid for yes. them for whatever who's going to maintain and them and so with that being said that's a concern. One of, of the mine. things that came out uh, in, in dur during the time that St. George was being voted on was that uh, the East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff was providing law enforcement for uh, Central uh, uh, free of charge, and 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 Central did not have to form their own police force. Mm -hmm. And St. George was was looking for the same kind of kinfolk mm -hmm. deal that they had received in Central. And the public got into an uproar about it and said, no, you're not supposed to be able to do this. And even the sheriff had to say, well, you know, I, I did it early on. I shouldn't have continued doing it. And we won't do it for St. George. So St. George has to account for where law enforcement is going to come mm -hmm. from. It's going to have to account for where fire is going to come All from. It's going that. to have to account for where essential services are going to come from. And I just find it amazing that people would go all this way just to get an independent an school system. An independent school system. Because they got tired of paying for private school. That's correct. And, that is correct. And, and, and so I'm, I, 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 I'm just flabbergasted that this issue is still being discussed and no one is standing up saying this makes no economic sense at all. And that's why I am dependent on the young people that can really see, they are seers, and that can really see what it is, the underlying, the underlying thing there that, that's trying to be done. And then, they, oh, they're going to. They shall come forth as pure gold. They shall come forth. And that's what I'm depending on, my young people. You've lived in this city, you said, all of your life. Yes. So then you've seen a lot of change over the years. Uh, what do you think Baton Rouge is racially? Uh, over the span of your life, you, you, I'm 59. I've lived here just about all my life. And I think that we are in a more dire situation now than we were 30 years ago. And so I, I'm just curious, wh wh what do you see? And, and let me tell you, let me give you just a little of my background, and then I'm going to bring you up to snuff on this thing here, y'all. I lived... 304 Choctaw, 
I caught the bus. See, they talk about busing. Mm-hmm. We caught the bus from over there off of Choctaw to go to Perkins Elementary. When I would get on that bus, me and my siblings, we could not sit at the front of that bus. Mm-hmm. That's why I tell folk Rosa Parks don't have anything on me. It, as a child, I did not understand why are there seats, and I can't, we can't sit here. Yes. Had older brothers that ushered me on as to say, come on, come on, just be quiet and move on to this back. Mm-hmm. That same, and that bus would put us off over there on Government Street, and then we walked from Government Street to Perkins Elementary. Then we'd have to go out there, and that same bus sometimes would pass us up and water would splash on us right there on Government Street. It all depend on who that driver was. And so I went through that. Also went through where you had, you'd wake up during the night and you see those three crosses burning. And I mean, you know, Jesus didn't do it. And so <laughs> when you'd wake up during the night and you'd see the crosses burning as a child. Mm-hmm. And so they talk about terrorism. And so that's that was terrorism yes, at it its was. finest. Yes. And so then when eventually my mom and dad uh, bought a car and then allowed my older brothers to bring us to school, then we were, it still existed all of that and, and the bus riding and riding, but we were able to go straight to school and go to school and then when get into school and you had second-handed books Mm -hmm. and you had pages torn out those books but Mm -hmm. you know what that did for us it caused us to use to be creative thinkers Mm -hmm. use our creativity because pages were torn out of our books but the other schools had the entire books and we forged ahead because because we had some of the best teachers and principals and assistant principals and people in the community that pushed us and parents at home and community folk that pushed us to let us know, but you still got to get it. Didn't Couldn't use that as an excuse, mm-hmm. but we had to forge ahead. And so we, we, we did that. And then you go in stores and you went downtown to Crest and you couldn't sit at that corner, at that counter there yes, at Crest yeah. and McCorris. And you had to go to that window, that back door, and you couldn't go here to this the 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 un, the um the health unit downtown there you didn't go through that front door yes, and get those injections that were mandatory but it was mandatory that you go through that back door yes, and you get and I'll never forget the nurse and that's the reason why I I I'm, I always tell folk Bedside manners is so important. I'll never forget that nurse that told my mom, get that hollering gal out of here because, and it terrified of an injection. We mm-hmm. call them shots back then. Yeah. And so when she said, get that hollering gal out of here. And so I had to grow really to a point of really liking nurses again. And I always tell them about the importance of having real uh, bedside manners and understanding where children are and and people that come to see you. So I went through all of that and then even get into McKinley High School. And so at that time, then the integration started. And so we met and then I had some of the uh, best uh, some of the best white teachers that could have been folded in. But I missed I missed my teachers, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I had some of the best of the best that brought came over to the McKinleys at that time. And so then we've come. 
a long ways, but we still have a long way to go. And so with that being said, and here we are here still talking about the inequities that are here for us and for our children and for women, for females, and we're still talking about this here in 2020. And so, uh, and, and I'm just so grateful for 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 Kamala to be able to be a uh, an icon for our little girls, for mm-hmm. our girls to know that it's doable. And when uh, President Barack Obama was able to show our little boys that it's doable, and then as we go on, even now, you know, even with Biden there to let folk know, hey, it's right, it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. and to even show that it's real and how we can come together and when they sang the song we are one we still reaching for that but I think we are we're closer than what we were but we still have a long ways to go and so it is encumbered upon all of us to reach out to each other to our brothers and sisters if you say I'm your sister treat me like a sister if you say that others are your brother treat them like your true brother and then know that there are people that are good, doesn't matter what color, and then there are people that are not so good and doesn't matter the color. So when we drop our bucket where we stand and forge ahead to do better, we're going to get better. But we still have to have a long way to go. The industrial tax exemption program, which allows corporations to apply for uh, tax uh, credits, uh, the, the ability to forego paying property taxes uh, if they are able to uh, show that this expansion that they're doing, this uh, modification or this uh, production that they're doing will provide a certain number of jobs and what have you. Uh, the Metro Council is one of the three entities that uh, will make decisions with regard to uh, ITEP proposals, ITEP applications, Metro Council, Sheriff's Office, and the school board. I wish somebody would let me not pay property taxes. Mm. That, 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 that would be nice. Uh, I, I, I wish that uh, I were allowed to be exempt if I put a fence up around my yard or if I added a room to my house that I could be exempt from paying property taxes. I find it abhorrent personally, uh, that multi-billion dollar corporations uh, are looking to slide by and not pay property taxes, uh, while we in East Baton Rouge Parish are part of a state that has the most regressive tax system uh, in the nation. Uh, so long way around the world, already told you how I feel. What, <laughs> what are your feelings about ITEP? I know I know that it's a state matter, but uh, the governor has made it so that local entities have input in that, and you would be a part of one of those entities. So t- tell us how you feel about ITEP. Just as you said, it is a state matter, just as you said. Yes, the um, local uh, Metro Council will have a hand in that. And, you know, they throw that out about providing jobs. And I'm not talking about, and then you're talking about not have to pay taxes. So if you're not paying taxes and you're providing some jobs, those jobs that you're truly providing ought to equal to those taxes that yes. you're not having to pay. Yes. So don't think that you ought to be able to provide a a job that pays minimum amount of money as opposed to a real job where a person can live a life, a true life, a real life. And don't think that you can just put a Band-Aid on that and holler that you've um, created so many jobs, but we must take a look at Let's look at the jobs that you say that you've created, and let's look at if 
the rubber met the road. Mm -hmm. Let's look at and see if that was uh, amenable to the amount of breaks that you get. And, And so I don't see us at all putting a stamp on everything that ITEP rolled out, but we must have a watch for I over ITEP mm-hmm. to hold them accountable, to let them know that the, the these are your this is these are some must do activities. Mm-hmm. And so I know that when that is done, I know that when people are really able to have some a real some real job that's gonna cut down on some crime that's gonna cut down on some a mm-hmm. whole bunch of this other stuff blight and all of this that are concerns in ten but just little menial jobs that's not going to cut it mm-hmm. so that's my story you, you mentioned crime and district 10 covers a huge geographic area as you said from LSU all the way up to Southern University. I would imagine that the universal concern, regardless of whether you're in South Baton Rouge or North Baton Rouge, is the crime problem and and the violence issue. We are in the midst of a murder spree in Baton Rouge. I believe there have been five murders uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, I think Murphy Paul has done a monumental job, a, a, a tremendous job in trying to bring a certain degree of accountability back to the Baton Rouge Police Department, which historically uh, has been lacking accountability mm-hmm. from my perspective. But what is it that you see as a prospective council member uh, that needs to be done in order to put a curb on this crime issue that exists within our city and within our parish? Well, and and I concur with you about uh, Murphy Paul. I think he has, but he cannot do it alone. I also think that they must be mindful of who they hire. Uh, I know that um, we talk about community policing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I I think that's just thrown out there. Community Mm -hmm. policing, community policing. But I'm talking about true community policing, where the police come into the community. I'm going to tell you what one of my concerns is, even for me in this race. The police pass me, I'm waving, and they're looking straight ahead. So they that, that little piece right there. The other thing is, the police know where the crime is, the hot spots. Yes. Come out from where you are, get in there and and show yourself. Yeah. Show yourself. That's true community policing. We used to have the community policing whereby the chief of police, Chief Laduff, used to go out and play ball with the community and and whatever. And so they would you would see them in the community. And so incentives are fine to give out. Let some of them move into those communities. Take a stand. Hey, I'm going to move here. And then that's something that we as a council can look at and incentivize. Oh, you going to come here in this area? You want to live here? This is what we're going to make happen for you. And so there will be an accountability there and not just with the police. And by the way, I'm not for defunding the police because then I ask who you're going to call. Yes. Spider-Man, Batman, <laughs> Ghostbuster, who you're going to call. Yes. But I do say that they must be accountable. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be mindful of who we hire as policemen. Is that truly the vocation in which they call to and ought to be walking mm-hmm. in? I also think that our communities must be a part of this thing here. You've, you've got a part to play community. And District 10, we're going to get to a point We're going to play our part, and so there should be a mesh between everybody, the community, the policemen, the churches, the civic organization, the everyday people that's 
out here in the community, we all must be held accountable. But I think all of the above, no one-stop shop, but all of the above must be a part in order for some true stuff to happen. And you mentioned community uh, involvement. Uh, recently, I have been serving on a police de-escalation task force that Senator Cleo Fields uh, established within uh, the state legislature. Uh, one of the things that uh, came out as a result of that, one of the things that I did not know, is that Orleans Parish is the only parish in the state that has a civilian oversight uh, uh, group. Uh, and uh, I'm curious, why is it only in Orleans Parish? Uh, wh why does East Baton Rouge Parish not have some kind of civilian oversight person or group that is funded by the parish in order to do its work? I'm not just talking about a volunteer group that sits down and looks through cherry-picked cases, but someone whose responsibility it is to actually give civilian oversight to what goes on within uh, law enforcement. Do you have any thoughts about civilian oversight? Uh, I would say, and you, that civilian oversight, great idea, would be needed. When we talk about involving the community, what mm -hmm. better way? But we must make sure that that oversight committee represents the people that we are targeting. Mm -hmm. You want to know about a boy? Let a man tell you. You want to know about a girl? Let a woman tell you. You want to know about that which is out there in the community? Mm -hmm. Get the right people on that civilian oversight committee in order to be able to give you the information that's needed and the how to do. So often we build all of these committees and all of, with the same people, but we never bring in those, like some that I've come across, those that have been in the trenches, through the trenches, down, up, and back, and realize that they've erred but at a good spot right here where they can tell um, some young people and go in the community and tell others about, we can't have this, we can't do this, and tell, be a, be, um, even be able to tell the policeman, man, don't, don't come in here like that. You got to, or let me go in here with you, then they're going to know that it's all right for you to come in here, and then that respect is established in all of this. Mm -hmm. But that civilian oversight, yes, sir, you're talking about the people, you're talking about that. My intent, my, one of my plans is to make sure that all areas of 10 that I have a Coleman ear, that I have a, a, a person or persons and the right persons, not the same persons, that can come and sit with me and have a conversation with me and say, this is what is what's happening, and this is how we need to look at it to make it not happen. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with the, with the police and with this uh, civilian oversight. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. We definitely need that. Have you been enjoying what you're doing, the campaign process? I, I'm asking you political questions, but it just occurred to me, uh, what you're doing is hard work. Uh, going in and out every day, going into communities. Are you enjoying the process of, of campaigning? What do you think about it? I will have to definitely say, and we talk about this, I truly enjoy what I'm doing. My two sons asked me before I started, they say, Mama, you don't want to just enjoy retirement you don't want to just you know just just travel and sit down on the porch or whatever 
And my response to both of them, I still have some more to give. Mm -hmm. And until I'm all given out or to the point that it's over, it's this is enough, and it's somebody else's turn to come, I shall continue. I have truly enjoyed campaigning. I've met so many people. I've listened and learned so much just yesterday. And, and to know that people are watching you and can return to you and tell you something about you that you really didn't realize that they were watching yesterday. I had that to happen. I went in my District 10, um, Burger King, and the manager was looking at me, and I looked. Of course, I always go in and speak and whatever. And she came around when I was sitting down, drinking my little Frosty there. She said, I remember you on that corner over there when that man was on that ground and you told him, get up off that ground and come. And you gave him a shirt and you told him to get up off that ground. And here, then you enabled him to start doing some stuff. And it just amazed me to know that folk are watching when you don't realize that they are watching, but it's a point in time when they can roll back on you and tell you, she says, so keep on doing what you are doing. And so when I go in and out and I meet the people and all the folk that are walking with me and all the phone bankers that are banking with me, and these are people that believe in me, that trust me, that's the best, 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 the best stamp of approval that I can receive. Mm -hmm. And when I go in and out of these districts from the beginning, Gurria Avenue up there to Mills and Flicker, and when I come across the young people that have been in the schools that I've been in, and then they say to me, I remember you, you took care of me. And I can say to them, now I need you all to take care of me and they say I got you I got you and you can only imagine how many times that I've heard I got you and so my t-shirt after this win is going to be I've been got <laughs> I've been got yes ma'am by the people in district 10 you you made mention of the fact earlier that uh, part of your uh, career involved working with homeless students there is a homeless problem that exists within this community that has been exacerbated uh, by recent events. The flood in 16 is still having an impact on homeless people. Uh, the pandemic uh, has highlighted the fact that there are homeless people. Uh, what is it that you would like to say to the community about homelessness that they might not immediately recognize or understand as being crucial in, in resolving the homeless problem that exists in East Baton Rouge Parish? First of all, I'd like to say that this population, you know, so often folk think of the bag lady and the gentleman under the bridge when they think of homelessness, but there are some children that's connected to this homeless population, several children. And to let you know that this is real, there's federal mandate, the Stuart B. McKinney law. This is the mandate that has been implemented because it is just that real. We do have a homeless issue here in Baton Rouge, but we've got to We've got to put some things in place in order to address the needs of this population. Know that these people are not out here under the bridge and without because they want to be there. But we, and the majority of them, it's, it's, it's mental illness and emotional well-being mm -hmm. and all of that that's attacked to that mm -hmm. uh, and so attached to that. And so what we must do is create some good services, true services mm -hmm. for this 
population. Make sure that we have the right folk that can definitely address their needs and then provide some wraparound services for them. And it's the small things that we can do. They have those little picker-uppers there. We need to buy a bunch of those over there in 10. Give it to them, all right? When you bring your bag back to me, I have something for you. Mm -hmm. Make them be a part of, a part of, but then the most critical piece of all of this, Baton Rouge, you better know that you are only one, two, and three if you're doing well paycheck from being homeless. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. One of the things that we try to do, and when I say we, uh, I'm a part of, uh, of a group of concerned clergy called Prophetic Voices. Yes. Uh, we tried to uh, initiate a forum, a debate between you and your Metro Council 10 opponent. He uh, did not have the time in his schedule uh, to be a part of such a forum. In fact, uh, as we're taping this, uh, the, the forum was supposed to be today. Mm -hmm. And you immediately agreed and, and your opponent uh, did not have the time to meet with us. Let's imagine for a second that your opponent was here. Is there anything that you would like to say to your opponent about uh, this race and, and uh, anything that you would like to articulate about your position as opposed to that person's position with regard to Metro Council 10? Well, I am 10. I'm a tenor. I live in 10, a homeowner of 10 not a fly-by-night tenor. I've been where in one place for 23 years. I have interacted with people over 40 years. I know about collaboration. Folk in Baton Rouge, first of all, young and not so young, know me and know my track record. And so with that being said, and I can vote for myself in 10. <laughs> and that is of utmost importance. Yes. And so that is definitely something that I would want to definitely reiterate. And that goes to show you just how serious this is to me and for me. And that I am the better choice for 10. No doubt about it. I'm not going to back up on that. I am the better choice. I also know the same thing that's going to get me in this is going to be the same thing that I must keep ongoing, going on in order that I can be effective and what I have said to the people that I was going to do. Old folks said that your word is your bond. And there are several folk, as I said before, that believe in me, trust me, and that I would have to answer to if I didn't do that. And all I want to do is serve. I want to be able to leave a legacy in 10, not only just for my children, but for the children's children and also for the folk in District 10. Carolyn Coleman, Metro Council District 10 candidate, thank you so much for passing by today and sharing with us. Thank you all for viewing. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back again next time. Thank you for having me.